All right, now we can turn to page 816. Page 816 contains Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. It'll be our sermon text today. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says this, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated. Let me pray for us. Father in heaven, we ask that you um, help us as we hear these words uh, preached this morning. Thank you for being a God who longs to know us, who longs to make us uh, to come near to you. Father, would um, would you be kind to us today? Would you use your spirit uh, to work in our hearts now? Um, Would you allow your words to go forth in power? Um, And my words fall to the ground and be no more. Would your your words go forth? We thank you for this time we have together. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So I am thrilled to hear that you guys are studying gentle and lowly when I heard that in the announcements. It made me very, very happy. The book uh, that I I guess is in the narthex, Um, it sounds like you guys are studying in a small group. It is a wonderful book. Uh, I highly recommend it. I've probably read through it seven times in the two and a half years it's been in production because I've I've gone through it with multiple students, multiple groups of students. Um, And it really does give you an opportunity Uh, to see just how amazing and how deeply Jesus cares for his people, how he longs to have uh, people who follow after him near. But I think that the problem is, is that many of us don't functionally believe that, that Jesus longs for us to be near to him, that he really does want us to come to him as this verse, as these verses begin. We really don't think that he even cares for us just on the surface. And I think part of the reason is that our world is filled with points of achieving. We constantly want to achieve. We love becoming the MVP of a game. I have kids playing youth sports, so I know that they love that. Our kids work hard for medals or even check marks that they can, that they can achieve. Or we're determined to do something really good for our family, to make them proud, to make them feel good for us. We live in a world that demands for us to prove that we are enough, that we are good enough, that we have done enough, right? And in Jesus' day, the hope was that God's people would show that they were good enough as well. In fact, rabbis wouldn't go out and choose apostles, as Jesus did. 
they would sit back and wait for them to come to him. And they would prove that they were brilliant enough, that they were savvy enough, that they were good enough to be one of these very brilliant and savvy uh, rabbis. And so you would have to show just how amazing you are. And sometimes I think that that's how we view God. Maybe not theologically, probably understand who God is, but in our functional life, we want to try to prove to him that we are good enough, that we are, uh, we are at a place in our lives where we um, have done enough to prove that we are a good Christian. I hate that term because it assumes that there are levels of Christians, even if it's good and bad Christian, but that there are those who um, have somehow done enough to prove that they are, are good. But see, Jesus is different because he doesn't want us to prove how great we are. Even if you have been following Jesus all your life, and even if you can never remember a day without proclaiming the name of Jesus, Jesus wants us to come as we are. To come as we are, instead of showing him all of our medals, or all of our MVP trophies, or all of the things that we have served him in his name. And this is substantially different because Jesus is inviting us to be ourselves rather than showing off of all of our good things or even projecting an image of what he would want us to be or what we desire to be. This is very hard uh, being in ministry because I constantly want to show to the students that I'm ministering to that I have done enough. And I constantly have to remember that my job isn't to point students to myself. It isn't for them to follow me. It is for them to follow after Jesus and to be pointed to him. And that's what Nathan does, and that's what Alex does, and that's what anyone in this congregation who longs to show someone Jesus does, is that we are constantly pointing to Jesus because we know that we can't fix them or fulfill any desire in them. And so the constant struggle for many of the college students that I minister to is that they just want to have this projected image. It's not so much showing the accolades to God, but showing that they are good enough. And, and really, I think that this is something that all of us deal with, is that we all long to have some kind of great image that we can give to Jesus and show to him that we are enough, that we have done enough. And instead, isn't it amazing that God just wants us to come to him? That Christ longs to know our hearts and he longs for us to know our hearts too. And so that's what's embedded <clears throat> in these beautiful three verses is that, is that Christ longs to know, first of all, our baggage, which includes us, and that he longs to invite us into relationship with him that he longs to know our baggage and he longs to invite us into relationship with him. So let's hear about the baggage. He says, come to me, all of you who labor and are heavy laden. So what does this mean? Jesus is looking out on a crowd look, and even remembering the people that he has seen, knowing all of the people that have come ahead of them. And Jesus recognizes that they are working hard 
And he, he, he's saying, I know that you have huge burdens in your life. I know that there are things that are difficult, that are hard, that in our modern parlance we would say are baggage. And Jesus says, bring it. Bring your baggage because that, 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 is who, that, that is part of who you are. The sinful as well as just the struggles that you have of living in a broken world. Even if you are an upstanding citizen, paying taxes, doing all of the right things. For my students, doing all of the right things in school, going to all of their classes, because most of their, the people that they go to class with barely attend. You might think that you're such an amazing person and you and you've fail to recognize the difficult things, the baggage that's in your life. The Bible even explains it to us that when Adam and Eve sinned, their created goodness was marred by sin. And we have inherited that, that marred human form. They were once able to do work and everything they needed to do without difficulty, and now they feel and they face the consequences of sin back then and as we do even now. And so baggage in your life isn't just some modern made-up or acute word, or, nor is it psychologizing your life. It's a reality. Jesus, in his wisdom, gives the world a realistic picture of this life. Though you once were put together, as Adam and Eve were, the human beings were once very good, according to God in Genesis chapter 1. They no longer are. There is messiness, brokenness, sin. There is a fracturing of who we are. And so your baggage might look different than the person next to you in the pew. Regardless, Jesus says, come. He says, come as you are. Come in your brokenness. Come in who you are. I have a friend who is highly successful. He runs a family business, and since it took over, it's been running even better. Uh, he is incredibly ambitious. In fact, he started another company uh, about nine months ago that, after about six months, started profiting. Um, and so if you're in the business world, you know just how incredibly difficult that is. Uh, but he figured out like just a really innovative business, and he went forward with it. Uh, he's on all the lists, featured in business magazines, really has it all. And we met uh, earlier this year and started talking about the business and how things were going. Um, and he was talking about a board meeting that he had. Uh, this was right after they realized that they were self-sustained. And in, for two hours, he had to uh, convince the people that were in this meeting, many of whom are Christians, and many of whom are uh, just great people, that this business was going to continue to be profitable. They even asked him at one point to come back with a couple of better solutions because even though it was profitable, it could, even, it, it could potentially be more profitable had there been some better solutions to a couple of the problems. Now, a pragmatist looks at this and he says, no big deal. This is business. This is how the way things are. Um, you know, nitpickiness is a part of what boards do for people. And that is absolutely true. But his response, as we were talking about this, and, and mind you, at the same time, we're talking about uh, 
our work at UTSA, and, uh, and he recognized in this moment a really profound thing. He said, you know, it, it, it's taken me a long time to realize that most of life is not the gospel. That most of life means that you do have to prove yourself. I, and he even said this, I mean, everything in the world is not the gospel. Even this great job and this great board, I have to prove myself. I have to put a better foot forward. I need to restrain sometimes from being honest because I need to show them that I'm going to do a good enough job. And so our, our lives sometimes just fall short. And it's frustrating and difficult. And I think that this is one of the clear examples for my friends, and, and maybe for you if you have a similar situation, of where we can run to Jesus, where we can come to him, because we recognize that things aren't the way that they're supposed to be. Our baggage is part of who we are, uh, and because of it, we need to grapple with what it means to be faulty or broken. One big piece is that we don't need to have these giant expectations about ourselves. We shouldn't pull out all of the emotional eggs out um, in the basket for one person and expect them to be able to handle us. Um, we need to understand that there is frailty, that there are, is faultiness in another person. And so we don't need to, need to trust solely in other people, but simply to trust in God and his goodness. And I want to be clear, our baggage also doesn't mean that we quit everything that we look at how hard and difficult and how weighty our life is and just want to quit and be done with it. Instead, it gives us the opportunity to really lean on Jesus, to know that things are challenging and hard, but that we need the Lord's kindness. We need his comfort to be with us. Knowing our frailty and baggage also helps us to dig more into our hearts, to understand our sin in specific ways, ways that we are tempted towards sin, ways that we long for something after another. Our world has done this in, in some really clever ways, uh, throwing out the term addiction a lot in order to say that that is our, uh, our, our longing for something, um, whether it be drugs and alcohol or, or other things. And yet there, there is a really beautiful opportunity for us to say that is, that is part of ourselves who we need to, that we need to give to Jesus. And maybe it's not deemed addiction. Maybe it is deemed struggle. Maybe it is just simply deemed sin. Maybe it is, it, it is something that is good and beautiful that you do, but it is wrapped in sin. Would we be those people who recognize that life isn't the way that it's supposed to be, that often our actions are difficult and are marred by sin, and that we would run to Jesus because we know that he is our good God. And we need a better story than just being marred by sin and being weighted down by our baggage or, or believing that it's all up to us to take care of all of this. And so the better story comes 
in the person and work of Jesus. Christians, that is why we are here. That is why we long to be near to him, is that Christ has conquered sin and death for us. And we hear in, in, at the end of verse 28 that he says, I will give you rest. Again, this is the opposite of what a rabbi would desire. It's the opposite of what a business owner gets. They get more work. They get more stress. They are having to do more. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Let's hear Christ's invitations. This is the This is the second point here. There are four clear invitations that he gives us. Starting in verse 29, he says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Looking back at verse 28, the first of Christ's invitations is to come, to come as you are, God already knows you, but that invitation is sweet and simple, um, and again, is is part of what most people in this age would have known, that they have to come to the rabbi, come to God. The second is to take, and this is found in verse 29, to take my yoke upon me, to take the one who knows and loves you unconditionally. And this word for yoke is not... the part of an egg, but it's actually a part of a working uh, instrument. And so it would be uh, like the baggage that you have, but it would would be what you would have as as like a piece of cattle, essentially, that you would put a yoke on them and use it for tilling the ground. And so Jesus is using this in saying that this is what you will actually take is, is an identity in me as the, the thing that you work out in your life, that you are known by, but that you will also um, have as, as part of the fulfillment of your life. And that's such an interesting idea, to hear that people who, are, who labor, who do difficult work, and are heavy laden with grief, with, with burdens, with whatever you may know, that they are given this yoke upon them. But we hear that this yoke is Jesus, that this yoke is, is an identity in Christ that is gentle and that is lowly in heart. That is such a better thing for us than to take on something that would cause us to work harder, that would cause us uh, to, to have to, to strive towards something else. Again, that would cause us to project an image that isn't even ourselves, but would, but would want us uh, to be us. And so we are hearing that identity in Christ is what Jesus gives us. That is what we are given from him. The third thing is that we hear the invitation that Jesus is saying, learn from me. And I love this because Jesus is calling us to grow deeper in knowledge of him, to experience him in deep ways, to know him in deep ways, to actually relationally grow our, our, the, uh, an amazing depth in, in who he is. Learning doesn't simply mean 
that we, we gain anything from it, as though we gain an award, as though we gain some kind of presence, but that we can just long to be in a relationship with a God who longs to know us. Relational learning sometimes makes you love and long to listen deeper. If you're married, I hope you experience this in your marriage with your wife or with your husband, that you might not know particular things about them, but that there's a depth of that relationship that is, that, that is invested in. The learning part of the, of the verses even gets to the core of who we are and makes settings like this on a Sunday morning so beautiful because many of you aren't coming here for some kind of intellectual knowledge. And maybe you're hoping to, but I hope that, that coming here on a Sunday morning is to grow and to fall more and more in love with Jesus, to, for him to, to invest in the depths of who we are, and for it, like inside the depths of who we are for us to cry out and to rejoice in him more. And then finally, the fourth invitation is to find, to find rest for your weary souls, it even says. Jesus doesn't just say it here, but elsewhere. He says that in him is the one place where we can actually find satisfaction. The one place that we can actually find satisfaction. It's the one place we can find salvation. It's the one place where we are truly known because we can't hide ourselves. The one place where we are um, where, where we are truly identified as well. Um, and so would you, this day and every other day, come, take, learn, and find? And I think, honestly, if you have been walking with Jesus for more than a day, that's probably something that's very natural. But I love that Jesus gives us these words to help encourage us uh, to long after him and to, and to be those people who are seeking after him first. There's a book I've been reading. Um, it's called Everything Sad is Untrue. Uh, it's a, it is a book that was put out in 2020 uh, by a uh, Persian refugee. His name is Daniel Nyeri. He's about 40 years old. Um, and it gives his story of, and his perspective of being a kid and um, leaving Iran and moving to Edmond, Oklahoma. Um, so he had, had grown up in a very successful family. Uh, his mother was a doctor. His father was a dentist. And at one point in the story, you find out that it was actually Christianity that led them away from, uh, from Iran. His mother becomes a Christian. I won't give away the whole story. But his mother becomes a Christian, and it absolutely changes everything. If you know anything about Iran, and there's, there's current political unrest happening there as we speak, um, <clears throat> it is illegal to be a Christian there. Um, and based on the family and the upbringing and the heritage that he had, it was even worse. Um, it would be almost like the, the king of England um, denouncing his, his royal heritage because the, the, the family line was so embedded into the Muslim faith. 
And what, what Nairi says in this book, um, again, I'm not going to give you the details of it, but just that it is worth following Jesus. Um, his mother is his hero for good reason because she gives up a job being a doctor, being in a, in a very wealthy family, not having to ever worry about anything else in her life, to working in a hospital as a custodian, working and stressing and having to have very difficult things in, in his life and in her life take place simply because she followed after Jesus. And this is not the reality of us in America right now. But I think that, that's, that, that this story is so good for us to know. And it's so amazing for us to hear the stories of people that are losing everything to follow Jesus. Um, at, at times in the story, you can even hear his mother recognize the beauty and the necessity of coming to Jesus, of knowing that she hasn't been a good person, of remembering who he is, of learning more and, and deeper ways to follow him, and of finding true comfort, finding true comfort, even though she is poor, and even though she's struggling, and even though she's recognizing that her son will not have the life that she had or that she dreamed of for him. Friends, this is what it means to follow after Jesus and to find true rest. I don't know what it is, what, what, what it looks like for you, but for me, much of the time, it is, it, it's hard to follow after Jesus, to let him be exposed to the, to the real things in my life, uh, to come to him, to worship a God who is unseen, but ultimately it gives us the comfort and the rest that we need. And so would you come to Jesus? Would you know that he is the one who, get, who, who has the easy yoke and that his burden is light because he loves us? Let me pray for us this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for our time together. I pray that you uh, would draw us near to your throne this week as we go along our day, um, and I pray that you would, um, um, Father, that you would remind us of just how good your gospel message is, um, that you don't leave us nor forsake us, that you are near, and that you love us dearly and deeply. Father, would we be reminded of that? Would we not try to be saviors for one another? Would we point our friends and our neighbors to you? Um, and would we gladly grow in our knowledge and our understanding of you because we love you. I pray all this in Jesus' name.